Welcome to Improbable Walks, the podcast that brings you to the streets of Paris wherever you are. My name is Lisa Passold, and I'm a writer and traveler who loves to walk in the City of Light. Every episode, we step into history by strolling down a different block of the city, exploring buildings and people of the past and of the present. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your time and ears. If you're just discovering the podcast, please check out my website, lisapassold.com, for previous streets and more information. You can also support this free podcast by visiting my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lisa Passold. Improbable Walks usually visits lesser-known streets in Paris, but today I want to take you up the most famous street in the world, the Avenue des Champs-Élysées. There is so much to say about this street, beginning with the name. Originally, this was not a gorgeous neighborhood. Below here, towards the Seine, the banks of the river were muddy, smelly, and poor. And yet this road was the main route out from the city to Versailles. If you wanted to visit the king, this was the road. No surprise, then, that King Louis XIV hired the famous landscape artist André Le Nôtre to create gardens and make the road more attractive for travel, to more easily lure the court out to his glittering palace of Versailles. This road only became known as the Champs-Élysées around 1700. The Elysian fields in Greek mythology were a place to stroll in the afterworld. So the Champs-Élysées was a beautiful garden promenade for dead heroes. For this Parisian boulevard, the name is a slightly sarcastic wink to the contrast between the glamorous path out to Versailles and the insalubrious old neighborhood below this avenue towards the river. In the 1830s, however, the Champs-Élysées began to change into the boulevard we now know and love. The street was gradually illuminated with gas lamps, so the Champs were no longer dark and dangerous at night, and the gardens were completely redone. Cafes, music halls, and theaters opened along the avenue, drawing an audience. Today, we could walk the entire length of the Champs-Élysées in half an hour, but most people get distracted, understandably, by shops and, of course, by the magnificent view from the Arc de Triomphe all the way to Place de la Concorde with the Tuileries and the Louvre beyond. This past autumn, we had an amazing art installation as well, when the Arc de Triomphe was wrapped in silver-gray as the artistic legacy project of Christo and Jean-Claude. The Arc de Triomphe is back to normal now, so the main spectacle every day is the rekindling of the flame on the tomb of the unknown soldier. You can view the ceremony and pay your respects to the flame at 6.30 p.m. every day. The flame was lit in 1923 and has continued burning in remembrance since that moment. The avenue became known for its military parades, which continue today. But historically, most memorably, the parade on August 26, 1944, is known because General de Gaulle celebrated the liberation of Paris by walking down the Champs-Élysées. 
Unless traffic is formally stopped, however, please use the tunnel to access the Arc de Triomphe, because this traffic circle at the top of the Champs-Élysées is notoriously busy. So let's emerge now from the tunnel on the eastern side of the Champs-Élysées, and we'll be walking down the Great Avenue. Until recently, there were several large car dealerships on the Champs. But in the past five years, French auto manufacturers Peugeot and Citroën, along with Toyota as well, have abandoned their expensive floor space on the Grand Avenue. Today, instead of futuristic cars, you'll notice both high- and low-end clothing and makeup purveyors, from Louis Vuitton to Sephora. There's a McDonald's, of course, but if you want a quick coffee to go, stop by the Café Joyeux, which is a tiny French chain that employs people with mental disabilities. Think of it, you can actively do good while drinking takeaway coffee on the Champs-Élysées. Ah, the modern world is so strange. In fact, the Champs-Élysées has long been the place of strange collisions. Our first stop is here at the Apple flagship. For now, ignore the tech heads and imagine an airship docked here on the Champs-Élysées. Yes, full-on steampunk Zeppelin reality. In the early 1900s, if you were walking down the Champs-Élysées, you might have glimpsed the amazing dirigible belonging to inventor Alberto Santos Dumont, parked outside his apartment here on the Champs-Élysées. Sharp dresser, popular with the ladies, and a brilliant mechanic, Santos Dumont grew up on his wealthy father's coffee plantation in Brazil. He always dreamed of flight. He went to Paris at 18 to study chemistry, physics, astronomy, and maths, which all allowed him to experiment with hot air balloons starting in 1898. Santos Dumont wasn't the first to create controllable airships called dirigibles from the French verb diriger to direct, i.e. to steer. But Santos Dumont was one of the first to make fast workable prototypes. In April 1900, there was a 100,000 franc prize offered to the first aviator who could make a successful round trip from the Aeroclub de France field out at Parc Saint-Cloud around the Eiffel Tower and back in 30 minutes or less. The prize had a five-year deadline. Santos Dumont won the prize in October 1901 with his airship number six, Check out photos on my website. They're quite amazing. Good with the publicity gesture and actually a decent sounding guy, Santos Dumont split the prize between his mechanics and the poor of France. Santos Dumont truly believed in the future of air travel and kept his smallest dirigible tied to a gas lamppost in front of his apartment here on the Champs-Élysées. He was known to fly to famous restaurants for dinner. Santos Dumont imagined a bright, steampunk future for us all. He wrote a memoir, My Airships, and this is a quote from it. I thought of the time sure to come when the owners of handy little airships will not be obliged to land in the street, but will have their guide ropes cut by their domestics on their own roof gardens. Yeah, that would be a vision indeed, but that did not happen. 
In fact, in 1904, over in the United States, the Wright brothers established the first heavier-than-air airplane flights. And here in France in 1906, Santos Dumont himself was inspired to set the first airplane record in Europe. The work of Santos Dumont went on to have a huge impact on aviation techniques during World War I. But by then, Santos Dumont had retired from inventing. Stricken with MS, he returned to Brazil and died in 1932. And alas, his steampunk vision of small personal airships docking in roof gardens along the Champs-Élysées was not to be. There's a small plaque dedicated to this eccentric aviator here on the Grand Avenue at his former address. The building is currently the Apple Store, and I imagine Santos Dumont would have appreciated the ingenuity and beautiful design of Apple products. He would, of course, have been better dressed than anyone in the shop, however. If we stroll a bit further down the Champs-Élysées, we come to a very pretty building at number 104, which once housed the Aviation Club de France. This is an entirely different entity from the Aero Club de France, which is the one that sponsored that airship prize won by Santos Dumont. No, here at number 104, we're in front of an infamous former gambling club. The now defunct Aviation Club de France was the place for serious blackjack and baccarat in the 20th century. The private club was founded here in 1907 by a group of aviators who wanted a London-style men's club for gambling and drinking. In 1995, they added poker, and in 2010, they added an online component – Ah, but only a few years later, there was a dramatic early morning police raid on this Champs-Élysées club, and the ACF was forcibly closed for illegal financial shenanigans. It's never reopened. So we'll have to cast aside our dreams of being the next Sean Connery, who was a veritable demon at the gaming tables, and walk on down to number 68, here on the Champs-Élysées, which is the famous perfume house Guerlain. The building is beautiful, though rather conservative. It's one of the last designs by architect Charles-Frédéric Muez, who famously designed the Ritz here in Paris, the Ritz in London, and he also did the glamorous interiors for many Belle Époque ocean liners. So it's no surprise that the flagship Guerlain shop on the Champs-Élysées is a luxurious jewel box of a place. The shop was opened by perfumer Jacques Garlin in 1914. The original Garlin shop was in the Rue de Rivoli. The perfume house was founded by Jacques' grandfather. Jacques began working with his uncle when he was a teenager. He studied organic chemistry and began designing marketable perfumes in 1890. Jacques Garlin's most famous creations include the 1912 L'Heure Bleue, which means twilight. Guerlain said that the blue hour was the hour when the night has not yet found its star. He said the perfume was his way of expressing a premonition about the coming war. Guerlain said, I couldn't put it in words. I felt something so intense I could only express it in perfume. Guerlain was mobilized during World War I, received a serious head injury and lost an eye, but he didn't lose what the perfume industry calls his nose. He went on to live a long, productive life, designing perfumes like the bestseller Shalimar 
1925, which I still love. Jacques Garlin created many perfumes for famous friends, including the great actress Sarah Bernhardt and American dancer and civil rights activist Josephine Baker. Garlin also created a famous perfume, Vol de Nuit, Night Flight, in honor of his friend Antoine Saint-Exupéry, the pilot and author of Le Petit Prince. Back in the Belle Époque, when Garlin was just learning his craft from his uncle, the Champs-Élysées had a number of famous cafes and tea shops where fashionable ladies would show off their elegant clothes. One such dress was the Glop Pastry Shop, down at number 6 on the avenue, which served fabulous Alsatian cakes and French pastries. The Glop is long gone, but if you have a hankering for silly pastries and a glittering decor today, we just have to cross the Champs-Élysées from the Garlin Shop, and we can drop by La Durée at number 75. Much as Garlin is now owned by a massive fashion and booze conglomerate, LVMH, La Durée Pastries is now owned by the media and hotel group, LOV. Plus ça change. When I moved to Paris in 1989, yes, a long time ago, the Champs-Élysées were under renovation. Four years later, in 1993, they were renovated again. And then yet again in 2016, when the sidewalks were massively improved and the whole avenue was made more pedestrian-friendly. However, today in 2022, the Champs are about to undergo yet another facelift to give the historic Avenue des Champs-Élysées more trees and still more reduced traffic. So we'll have to stroll back again in a few years to see what has changed and what is still the same. If you enjoyed this improbable walk, please subscribe to the podcast. For photos and details about today's walk, please visit my website, lisapassel.com. Thank you so much for listening and for stepping into history with me. Until next time, we go strolling into Paris together.